Hello and welcome to the Health Interpreter Series, an initiative to cover topics to better understand and engage with health policy and enable communities to get better access to health services across rural Australia. Before we start, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Jamie Chaffee, welcome to the Health Interpreter Series. You're the chair of the New South Wales Country Mayors Association and Mayor of Gunnedah Shire Council. Uh, and we're here to talk to you about, because you're at the heart of local government and health. Yeah, well, look, local government now more than ever, I believe, has a responsibility to, to understand more about the health needs of our communities. Traditionally, this has always been the space for state governments and for federal governments. Uh, local government, you know, with limited resources has so many other responsibilities. But uh, I've seen now, it's I've been seven years, I've been the Mayor of Gunnedah and, uh, and the current chair, as you said, of the Country Mayors Association since last November. But the more conversations I have outside of Gunnedah and internally in Gunnedah, it's clear to see that the residents of rural, regional, remote New South Wales clearly understand we now have a part to play in in the support to make sure that all of the resources, not so much the infrastructure, but all of the resources that are required to make sure we've got the health workforce we need and their encouragement to keep that workforce in our communities is the responsibility we have to be part of now. So before we start sort of digging into that, can you let our listeners know what is the Gunnedah area like? Because we've got people across the country listening. Give us a little bit of history and where you were at as a, a Shire Council. Right. Well, we're in the the northwest of New South Wales. You know, I'd like to refer to it as the centre of the universe, but of course that's me because I'm a local. Our area is about 5,000 square kilometres, so we're not necessarily a big local government area, but uh, when you look at metropolitan you know, type councils, uh, we, we're probably on average. Our population is almost 13,500 people. Um, and our strength, our strength is around agriculture is the number one contributor to our economy and cotton is the, the strongest one there. But of course, we're, we're big for beef cattle and, and other grains and pulses. And we also have extractive industry with coal. So we've, we're quite fortunate in the way that through the droughts, we've had mining industry that's been able to help sustain our population and our community. And when there are good times in agriculture and the resources uh, sector is firing as well, um, well, then you've got quite a, a, a booming type community like Gunnedah. And right now, that certainly is us. I was actually looking this morning at some of the data and the current unemployment rate in the Shire sits at 3.5%. Now for us, that's amazing. That's the lowest I can find on record for Gunnedah for unemployment rates. So lots of opportunity, lots of prosperity here at the moment. And just for our, our listeners who don't, and I didn't realise this, but Gunnedah was the scenery and that inspired that wonderful poem, I Love a Sunburnt Country. Yeah, Dorothy McKellar, the place where she actually grew up, property called Currumbead, it's still here. It's uh, it's now heritage listed. It's it's actually right on the edge of uh, a current mining lease. But the mining company certainly put a lot of money into that and uh, are bringing that back and restoring that. And it's something that um, uh, there's open days during the course of the year where people, community, and and others can come to Gunnedah and take the opportunity to go and have a look at that. But we we also have a specific building here, 
which is a, a poets type precinct where we we celebrate Dorothy McKellar and and all things poetry in that precinct. Now on to health. Explain to us what's the situation for Gunnedah at the moment when it comes to access to health services. Well, Jeremy, I've got to say right now is probably the best we've been in in time that I can recall. Uh, now, I haven't been here forever. I've married a local and, you know, I've been here for about 30 years. Infrastructure, we've still got a long way to go. But as far as access to doctors and healthcare, uh, I think we're actually in, in a better position now than we have been, like, over those 30 years. Strange to say, and I never thought I'd actually say this, but right now we've got more doctors than we have police in this community. And that wasn't always the case, though. You, Definitely There's wasn't. been a lot of work done yeah. in this area. It's been a big journey. So explain to us a little bit about that journey. Well, I might start back at around about, I think, 2010. Uh, if we start there, it was uh, a particular bad time for the community with uh, lack of access to doctors. And there was a particular doctor at the time, Graeme Dean, uh, who's well known w- within the medical profession, who had the, uh, the concept of a super clinic and got the support of other doctors in town and the whole community about let's, let's build a facility. And this facility would be all about training. So it'll provide healthcare for the community of Canada, but it'll be the facility where young registrars um, and other doctors you know, would come into the community, get that support that they needed, whether they're from other countries or whether they're um, from metropolitan areas or juniors, whatever it looked like. It was a base that would be there to train for the future needs of this community. And now that took a long time for that actual to come through, that, that concept to come through. Uh, but it was built and it was built on the back of community fundraising. It was built on the back of uh, the state government providing the land. It sits on Crown land uh, in the hospital precinct here now. And the captains of industry also put forward a fair significant amount of money. Whatever was left was topped up by the federal government. So that facility... Uh, currently sits here at the moment uh, and we do have a brand new doctor practice that's just started up in that facility. It was vacant for a very long time so it's good now that, um, that that's been utilised for its purpose and we also have some um, community services that are provided within that facility as well. So that was the turnaround I guess but even since then we've had success that looks more like a mountain range where at peaks it's fantastic but at troughs we get back to some some terrible times. I mean, I think go back five years ago uh, or even four years ago when Gunnedah first reached out to the Rural Doctors Network for some support uh, in this particular area because of those peaks and troughs. And, you know, we want to plan to make sure that we flatline rather than go through that mountain range of we think we're okay, we get comfortable, and then next thing you know, a couple of years, you turn around and you're back in the same situation where you're struggling to find the medical workforce that you really need. So over that period of time, we've had significant success up to what I would say probably some of the best ratios of resident to doctor in the current local health district we're in, which is Hunter New England Health. Uh, as I said, to, when we first uh, reached out to Rural Doctors Network, we were actually the worst. I think our ratio at that time was about one to 3,000, which is you know simply uh, doesn't suit anybody. It doesn't suit the doctors that are here because of the pressure that they're under and the expectation They'll work 24 hours a day and seven days a week and you can't do that. Or the community itself to think, well, can I actually get in to see a doctor or can I get in if I've just come to town, can I actually get on the books to a practice, which was impossible at the time. 
And so obviously that then has an impact on your ability as a community to thrive. So where has the council played a role in this? Because as we've spoken about on this series before, the federal government have a very big role and they drive the primary health care. State, obviously, with the hospitals, local health districts, they run those. Local government don't really have a set role other than they're at the forefront of the impact on communities when health isn't working. Yeah. Look, really, really difficult for local government. And local government itself in New South Wales, there are all different categories from the metros, huge population, you know, and, and let's say a huge budget. So any work that they might need to do, if they particularly did, wouldn't be that difficult to find a pot of cash. When you get down to the regional or the remote councils, uh, they're already under so much financial stress and pressure to actually find a bucket of money to do anything to support what might be lacking. Let's call it the black holes between what state and federal government do. At times, those crossovers, you know, there's, there's always some dark spots where services will just get missed out. Uh, and the, look, the general public in our communities don't understand or don't conveniently really want to understand that there are three tiers of government and there are set responsibilities within those three tiers. So most people in, in our communities would just expect that council would be the ones responsible. And look, I, I the more time I spend here and in the community and in this current role that I have, I think in the first 12 months that I come in, I would say we have absolutely no responsibility. We shouldn't go anywhere near it as a council. We don't have any funds to do it. We don't get any share of taxation revenue to actually support that. Uh, we're, we're under enough pressure as it is in our communities to provide the services that we do. But the longer I stay in the role, the more I see that all the pieces need to come together. You can promote your community far and wide, show all of the opportunities. You can provide the best services, the best parks, gardens, pools, libraries, all the things we're responsible for. But if you don't have some of the really key infrastructure and services like good medical health facilities where people feel that they're comfortable if something goes wrong in the community that they live, that they can get the care that they need, either for themselves or their children or for their elderly parents or grandparents, then they'll question about whether or not they can stay. So I think with the pressure that is on all tiers of government, that there is now a place for local government and really proud of the position that this council, Gunnar Shire Council, have taken in, in looking at, um, you know, they're not massive dollars, but just the ways that we can engage with the doctors that we have and provide what we can to give them that support, to know that they've got that love and care from the community and also that small amount of financial support that might be needed to encourage doctors to come or to stay. But also you, you've done more than that, really. When you look at that example you said five years ago, it was the local council that called out for the rural doctors to come and help and sort of you led the, the coordination, I guess, to try and ensure that your community got access to health. So this is obviously something that's happening, not just in, in this council, with your your head of the, of the Country Mayor's Association. This sort of work is actually one of the pillars that you're working on in, in that organisation. That's right. Uh, for us, as I said, as I look back over the previous years and the and the mountain range and the, the concern for the community and, you know, when you get in a comfortable position, you think you've got it right, so you focus on the other areas of what it is to make sure that your community continues to prosper and grow and, and people feel that they've got the support and, you know, it's a livable community. 
you, you know, you really need to focus on other areas. And when you turn around and then say, oh, okay, uh, we're not as good as we were um, back in our previous year or previous years about the access to the medical workforce, it was quite clear that something needed to change there. And that's when the council, uh, and it was a it was a conversation in a council meeting and a resolution of council to put our hand up and say, we need Rural Doctors Network, we need their support. Uh, they've been going for a long time, they're, they're the experts in this field. We need them to come and work with Canada Shire Council and community to try and come up with a plan so there is a flat line, uh, you know, and a plan that will last more than two, three, four, five years. It's a, it's a plan that will ensure to everybody that, this pathway is there to make sure we've got the workforce for the future. And just explain to a little bit, what was that plan? What were the sort of the actions that you implemented that enabled you to, to be in the position today? Well, we had no idea. We just knew we needed help really at the beginning and that's what it was. We put a hand up and we reached out to Rural Doctors Network and we were quite fortunate that that, that was accepted and we saw amazing people come into the community to start some of those conversations and I really want to call out Estrella Lowe for this Australia worked very close with the Gunnedah uh, solution and that whole process. Now, uh, we were under a fair bit of stress because of that ratio I talked about earlier, the doctor to resident ratio and the pressure that's on the community. So there was a high expectation from the elected members and myself as well that this is something that, you know, we bring the experts in, we're going to fix this quick. You know, Australia put me straight pretty quick. But there's <laughs> a process to go through that. Firstly, uh, you need to understand what your needs are. You might have a thought that um, your, your needs are actually one thing when there might be something completely different. So that was the start of the process was that consultation, uh, the early work that was done from Rural Doctors Network where it was actually a look at what's the status quo. I think Estrella called it the state of play. So that is what do you currently have in your community? What, what are those services? Um, who's providing those what's the population, what's the type of demographic within your population to really get that benchmark and understanding about what you really want. Not not the emotion of what you think you need, but really what, what is it that you currently have and then assess that to the benchmarks that might be already out there. So for us, as I said, the doctor to resident ratio, one to 3,000, worst in the Hunter New England health area. Uh, we, we knew from that state of play that the benchmark was really closer to like one to a thousand is what we really needed to aim at. What we didn't know was what the makeup of those doctors need to be. So there's general practitioners, but then you've, you know, you've, if you want to have babies in town, you've got to make sure you've got the right obstetrics, you know, qualifications, all of the different aspects that, you know, as elected members, yep. some of them had probably a more of understanding than I did, but for me, you know, I really didn't understand that. So it was important to get that information out right at the very beginning as well, which was one of the first steps. Richard Colbrand, the CEO of Rural Doctors Network, pointed out in a previous podcast that the first call is we need a doctor, we need a doctor uh, for a lot of communities where, you know, as, you, as you've just explained, it, it's not always that easy because it's what type of doctor do you need? Yeah. And then you've got other complications in new communities. Well, I mean, there's aspirations for uh, a lot of the women would prefer to see a, a woman doctor you know, and then you've got other people with, with uh, different religious uh, understandings, cultural backgrounds, all types. So, you know, you need to take all of that type of information in our community itself. Right at the moment, we have 15% identifiers, uh, Aboriginal people. So within that itself, 
that sort of triggers all, all, all other different statistics around about Aboriginal health and, and what other community health or even particular skills and abilities from people in the medical practice as well that might be needed. So all of that information was, was gathered. That took some time and there was a lot of consultation around with Hunter New England Health and Primary Health Network and more importantly, the current doctors that we had in town at the time to get that feedback to, to clearly understand how many full-time equivalent doctors we had, what that mix was of skill sets as well as men and women and, and, and basically then we had a baseline which was the place to start from. And I guess you have to keep working at it. If you don't want to go through those troughs, you have to keep on top of it to make sure that the needs are being met. Do you also assess whether the needs have changed as well? That's a, something that's a constant all the time. But for us in those early days, it was about getting that picture. What is Gunnedah? What does Gunnedah look like? What are the shortfalls? So what do we currently have? And according to benchmarks, what what should we have? So that was the first part. Then we went out in support, Gunnedah Shire Council, with Rural Doctors Network, and we surveyed our community, which was really important. And I've got to say, again, I haven't been here that long. I'm just coming into my eighth year but that survey was the, the participation in the Gunnar community was amazing, was the uh, the biggest survey response that we've had for any time that we've actually gone out into the community. I think it was nearly 800 people responded to the, the questions that were set out. And that, that information was invaluable too for the planning to go forward. And these, these were questions around health and, and access to health? Yes. It was all about the experience of, you know, what do you currently do? Have you got access to a general practitioner, like a, a practice at the moment? Can you, what's the waiting time? Do you have to travel outside of Gunnedah? What are the medical needs that you currently have as well? You know, lots of questions like that to, to really truth, I suppose, the information that was gathered in that early state of play. And it wasn't hard or there wasn't any pushback from within council for you to take this role? Because a lot of times they say this is a federal government, as you said before, federal government, state government responsibility. Now, the community have, have told us clearly that there's an expectation for us to get involved. Things won't change unless we do something about it was the mood, certainly amongst the elected members and the senior executive team here at council. The workload is high. It always has been, but the care for the community is number one. So there was um, conversation in the council meeting in the early days about how do we go about this, but unanimous support that we needed to do all we possibly could to try and fix this problem. And and uh, Rural Doctors Network was the, the first port of call that we thought might be the partner we needed to help us with that. And can I ask, what role did state and federal governments play in that development of this plan for your council? So there was no political intervention at all, which, you know, I want to make that clear at the moment. So the, the, the I guess the second stage of this process uh, was bringing all of the all of the organisations, I suppose, that are funded by state and Commonwealth governments, so the PHN, bringing in the LHD as well, so 100 New England Health were part of that, but bringing in all of the, I guess, the organisations that might have been working in silo and all busy people with huge responsibilities right across their network. Gunnedah is just one of those particular areas that they might have had to actually manage. So uh, I think a, a lot of the success was, and this was really hard work too, I've got to say, and it was something I watched from the side. Uh, myself personally, I wasn't part of those meetings, but getting the art from Rural Doctors Network and getting all of those players together to form a committee with their representatives to talk through all of the issues, talk 
about the learnings. Here's the benchmark. Here's what we currently don't have. And talk through why. Talk through how do we make change. What's the way forward? You all have different responsibilities for healthcare in the Gunnedah community. You're all working in your own silos, whether it's a GP practice or practices or the PHBIN or the LHD or anyone else who was invited into that that sort of working group. And early days, it was pretty tough to get them all together. Uh, but that, that took time, but that was the success story. It was making sure that they were all focused on the same area to make sure there was a plan to fix the current issue and to make sure that plan is something that would continue to roll out for the workforce needs of the community. And obviously it worked. I mean, obviously they all did their part to get you to the to the point you are today. Yeah, and it's not something that you can ever rest on your laurels. You need to continue to focus on that. Uh, we had two GP practices in town when that all um, started and those practices were quite low in their numbers. Both practices are still uh, currently... Uh, operational here and they've got more doctors that are actually coming through and more registrars importantly as well that are rotating through there but we've also had a third GP practice start up in Gunnedah which is exciting for the community because it's um, it's now one that opens uh, open new books so therefore those who are in the community who aren't on the books of the other two now have an opportunity to go on and start up in a new practice and importantly too, when we have people that are coming to look at some of the job vacancies within the community, and I talked about that unemployment rate at the moment, that they can actually, one of the first things the new family will do when they come to town, besides having a look, is the job that they want, can they get a home, can they get medical services and what are the schools like are the key things. So one, you know, go back a few years ago before Rural Doctors Network were involved, uh, that was certainly a trigger there. They couldn't get into a GP, so... We're finding it hard to actually bring families in to take up some of the jobs. So I want to take it a, a sort of a step above now in, in your other capacity as the as the chair of the New South Wales Country Mayors Association. What's that organisation doing uh, around health and the sort of work that you're doing on that? This organisation, uh, look, it's got a, a, a rich history. It's been going now since the early 80s. Our membership has grown now to be quite strong in, in New South Wales. There are 128 local government areas uh, and that's right across the state. Those that are eligible for membership of country mayors are those that aren't in the metropolitan areas. So that that's 92 council is the optimum, I suppose you'd say, if we were sitting at 100%. We're, we currently have 84 members, so it's quite a, a large chunk of regional remote New South Wales that are members of our organisation. We survey our members every 12 months just to make sure that in our advocacy we're talking about the right things that are most important for our members. Now, in my time in Gunnedah as the Mayor, uh, I've always been very active in, in the Country Mayors Association, either as an executive member or, or or even in the early days just someone who went to every meeting because I saw them as the strongest voice for us. So it's not mixed up in this voice that's right across regional New South Wales and the issues that are across all of us because there's many we share. But in rural, regional, remote parts of New South Wales, there are many issues that are just unique to us. Now, in healthcare, uh, and I think we saw that upper house inquiry that, that uh, happened a few years ago with the 44 recommendations that were handed down, uh, clearly articulated the fact that the, the quality of care and the availability of care in rural and regional New South Wales uh, is, is certainly lacking and needs more support. So for us in that survey results, it, it 
clearly showed that same thing that's uh, that was highlighted in the Upper House Inquiry and it's always been in our top ten somewhere healthcare needs within country mayors. In fact, the last two years it's been in the top five. Uh, last year I think it was number one and I think it's number four this year with financial viability for local government being uh, one that's leapfrogged everything at the moment with the pressure on local government. But, of course, the two are very linked because you can't get good financial viability without having a good healthcare system because you can't get the workforce there. That's exactly right. And housing, you mix that in with the, with, uh, the whole thing as well. So, look, it's it's a strong focus and uh, every single member of the executive is, is really focused on continuing to bring out of the shadows all of those issues and bringing the politicians and the bureaucrats along that every opportunity we have to actually speak to our members and talk about uh, what's happening, what's new, what are the concerns and what are the ways that local government can work with the state government and the federal government to make sure uh, that we've got the absolute best healthcare that we can have in our communities. And have you seen a change in attitude about the role of local government? Richard Colbrand, again, CEO of, of RDN in, in the first podcast, said that he had seen a change happening in the understanding the role community plays in actually helping the access to health sort of post-COVID. Have you seen this a similar sort of change? Well, there certainly is more pressure on local government to, to step up to do all that we can to keep the current medical workforce that we have in our communities and to encourage our youth to go into this pathway of providing some form of medical support and staying in the bush once you've got that qualification. And for many councils like Gunnedah Shire Council, it's looking at our own policies, uh, looking at our own ability to support the current network and what we can do. So for us, we have a, a policy, Gunnedah Shire Council has a policy in place where we provide, we've got uh, accommodation here that we provide uh, subsidised accommodation for doctors, new doctors coming to town just to help them to find their feet in the community until they bring their family, if their family's not with them, and then move into accommodation in the town. And if that accommodation is full, that same policy also allows us to give the same subsidy if they were to move into other accommodation as well, whether it be temporary accommodation. Uh, that's, that's one of the small parts, I guess, initially, that some of the things that we can do to make sure that the doctors and, uh, and even... Um, other qualifications and, and specialties that we need in the community, uh, understand that the community is behind them. We want to see them here and we want to support them to get them on their feet. Is it something that the mayor's associations are looking at to sort of stop the, I guess, competition? Because there's a shortage of, whether it be nurses, doctors, there's a workforce shortage. So everyone's competing for that small group. And you do see some behaviours in the community which don't sort of help what's been told to us in a previous podcast doesn't help the long run in this. So is the country mayor's looking at sort of a more coordinated way that we can address the problems that all these communities are facing? So in previous years we've we've heard from uh, ministers, shadow ministers and bureaucrats about situational basically just giving us the, the learning, the understanding of the current situation uh, and the Upper House Inquiry really brought that out to light. And, and in fact, I think there were 15 hearings that were out in regional New South Wales. One was actually here in Gunnedah. 
that I participated in as well. So it was it was good to see, uh, let's say, a bipartisan approach to trying to find out all that information, getting it in a format that uh, could be shared with people and had a list of recommendations that uh, I think majority of those were endorsed. I don't think there are too many of those that have actually been delivered on and we've seen full success from. Uh, the state government just announced a review of that upper house inquiry and the outcomes just recently. And I think the member for Wagga Wagga, Joe McGurr, uh, is chairing that. So it'll be interesting to see the outcome of, of when that review is completed, uh, what outcomes have been delivered out of the recommendations and what will be the current government, state government's focus on uh, trying to accelerate any actions that might see the rest of those recommendations being delivered. Uh, for us, Country Mayors Association, now we're at that stage where, you know, I think over the previous years we, we've heard a lot from both bureaucratic and, and, and political speak about healthcare in our communities. Actually, we're doing it in September on the 14th or 15th. We're, we're holding a health forum and it's been hosted by Murrumbidgee Health, so we're all quite excited by that in Wagga Wagga. And the whole concept about this is we're all really keen, mayors, general managers, right across regional and remote parts of New South Wales, to go to a region that is doing things differently. And we're all going with an open mind to see what, what can we find out about what's working successfully. We all hear the Murrumbidgee model has been successful. We're all hearing uh, from the mayors and also some of the state members within that region that they're content with the healthcare and local health districts and, and the way things are progressing in that southern part of New South Wales. So we're keen to go and just to, I guess, be informed, be inspired about things that others are doing, to come home to our own communities, have a look at the current status and see if any of the learnings we've found out we can implement into our communities to help with that healthcare and local government's support for healthcare needs for our communities. That sounds fantastic. And just to give a, a blatant plug for listeners, the previous uh, uh, podcast was actually on the Murrumbidgee model, so uh, you can go back and listen to that if you haven't. Jamie, thank you very much for, A, hosting us in your wonderful town uh, and uh, telling us about your story, uh, and we look forward to finding out what happens more with the New South Wales Local Mayors Association and the work you're doing there. Yeah, look, you're, you're more than welcome, and uh, for those mayors that might be listening to this podcast as well, you've got a concern about the healthcare needs that are provided within your community, don't be ashamed to put your hand up and say, look, we, we need some extra support. We need somebody who's experts in this particular field to come and work with council. Uh, you know, it was something um, I, I did myself, you know, many years ago now and it was out of frustration. It was out of being confused about how uh, we, as in local government, could do something different to help fix the status quo in our community it wasn't a comfortable thing to do because it, you know, it almost felt a little bit embarrassing about the fact that we were failing. But uh, I've got to say the work that Rural Doctors Network did, and there are experts in the field, I'll give you a plug as well. <laughs> uh, the experience, it didn't happen overnight, but the experience that we've had here in Gunnedah has been first rate. And, uh, and I'd certainly encourage you to, to seek that support from Rural Doctors Network and see how they can help you with your future endeavours. That's very kind. Thank you very much. And I'll also shout out Estrella's one of the wonderful gifts of, of community action. And uh, in fact, she's going to be a, a guest on our podcast coming up. So thank you very much. And thank you again. Thanks, Jeremy. This podcast is produced by Health Pro Media and funded by the New South Wales Government. You can find out more information or let us know about topics 
you would like to cover by going to our website at communitysolutionshub.com. In the meantime, please like, follow and share. Until next time, thanks for listening. The information provided in this podcast is of a general educational nature only. The views expressed are that of the presenters and not of the New South Wales Government or the New South Wales Rural Doctors Network.